At the end of civilization, humanity struggles to survive. Will they also succeed in keeping their humanity alive? Fleeing across a landscape of death, survivors will gather. Some will know each other and some will be strangers, but together they must find some sense of family or they will assuredly find ruin alone. A world of perpetual grays where staying alive eclipses all notions of morality. Or does it? Can people keep looking into the abyss and learn to ignore its baleful gaze back? Can hope for normalcy be retained or is death just the order of the day? Will humanity rebuild or simply become the monsters they fight until monsters are all that's left? At the end of civilization, will humanity be able to live for a brighter future, or will they only learn to fear the walking dead? Two, two, three. Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. And uh, Hair Metal Hero has the week off. I've invited our, our good friend David Pascarella on to a... Uh, to do Powerless Season 1, Episode 2, The Wayne Dream Team. <laughs> I know originally we said we weren't going to cover this, but, you know, me and David have still been watching it, so we thought we'd, we'd give it a go. Um, so how are you doing, David? Welcome back. Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having I never dreamed I'd be back to discuss uh, Powerless. I didn't think so either, but, you know, it, it started to grow on me um, a little bit. It's It's got its good and bad moments. I don't think it's going to survive very long, unfortunately. Nah, this show is pretty much The Walking Dead. <laughs> it, it is a bit, yes. Um, so so let's jump right into the, the uh, synopsis I've written here, and, and we'll, we'll kick this show off. Cool. So... The episode opens at the hilltop with uh, scenes of the blacksmith uh, busily forging bladed weapons that Maggie is training the volunteers to use. And we get some ultrasound baby monitoring, nice little montage, Sasha drawing maps and training people how to be all stabby. And uh, Maggie and Jesus are planning things. And then uh, Jesus is giving Sasha a map of the Savior's compound to enable her little vengeance quest. But, uh, you know, hey, Jesus, what happened to the other uh, turn-the-other-cheek thing? I'm wondering. <laughs> uh, now, Daryl is carving. Uh, Maggie brings him some food. Gregory, who is out of booze and sad about it. Um, nobody speaks for a long time, actually, in this episode. It's kind of quite effective. We just get a musical montage. And we finally get some dialogue as we replay the last scene of the last episode with Rosita uh, coming to ask Sasha for help, and, and we roll credits into the, the first commercial. I mustn't have paid much attention, because I don't remember that being in Powerless, to be honest with you. No? Um, wait. Uh, okay, you caught me, David. This is actually Fear the Walking Dead cast. <laughs> <laughs> This would be the show that I don't watch, right? The show that he doesn't watch. And so, yes, we're, we're rolling out a gimmick on, on our listeners this week. Um, or, you know, if I want to get really self-deprecating, I just could not find anyone to host with me this, this week. So we picked a guy that doesn't even watch the show we're talking about. How's that for the bottom of the barrel, kids? <laughs> Kidding, how, kidding. how the mighty have fallen yes. from Beth and Brian and Sarah to me. I, they, they all got sick of talking to me, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we got the one guy that actually does appreciate my long-winded uh, recaps because that's the only way he knows what's going on. <laughs> but thanks for joining us, and thank you, listeners, for putting up with our little bit. Um, but yeah, actually, we talked about, I think, last episode that we wanted to do this with you because you, you're like in our mythology now, David, you know, when I first got the email that you, you said you listened to our show and um, but don't watch The Walking Dead. I was just like astounded and very flattered. <laughs> also, I'm like, oh my God, I must be doing something right, I guess, or this man really has no life. <laughs> I don't think it's I have, I have a lot of long days to get through all the work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, half my listeners are truck drivers and, and the other half are lawyers, so that, that works for me. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so welcome, and I, I've tried to do an extra detailed recap for you tonight, so you kind of know what's going on. Um, but, uh, you know, to, to give you a summary, we're, we're rolling on the way to war with Negan, and, uh, you know, this is the, I know Rick Grimes this week, but this is kind of the diplomacy tour and gathering our, our chess pieces for the final assault. 
So I get to come on the show where the star isn't even on the show, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're all stars, you know. Besides, last episode kind of sucked, and a lot of this one kind of sucked, too. But, um. Well, if you're so stupid to fall through the roof of a dilapidated building. Uh-huh. And not get injured, even better. I, I guess I should I should just explore this a little bit though. What what inspired you to listen to this podcast without ever having to read you know, the comics or watch the show? I followed the original uh, freaks when they used to do that series, you know, Star Trek Monthly Monday and Comics Monday and Walking. I think Walking Dead was on Comics Monthly Mon- Monday originally. Yeah, Walking Dead Wednesdays. Yep. Yep. So I followed it from there and into the follow-up show. And then when you guys came on with Fear the Walking Dead, I just followed along. But I was never a a quote-unquote zombie fan. Yeah. So I I had no desire to watch the show, but I found the discussion interesting. So here I am, years later. Excellent. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Walking Dead Wednesday for... For being inactive enough that Chris let me go ahead and, and start covering the actual Walking Dead, so it's uh, been having a good time with it. As frustrated of you as I am, I'm sure that comes through in my podcasts a bit. That's the other reason I wanted just you on tonight too, is because I know that a couple of my co-hosts have been chomping at the bit to tell me to stop complaining and just enjoy the zombies. But I, this is my job now. I got to critique things. So yes. <laughs> So we're, we're back from the commercial break and, and into the, the Fear the Walking Dead podcast proper and we're covering uh, Season 7, Episode 14, called The Other Side. And Jesus and Maggie are chatting and we get some of Jesus' backstory finally. We, he grew up in a group home um, and Maggie has finally made him feel at home. And we also get the reveal that Jesus has had boyfriends in the past. Which, there's headlines about all over the friggin' internet about. Not that there's anything wrong with that and it's in the nope. comics too, so whatever. Um, <laughs> so I was talking with our, our, our co-host who hasn't been on in a while because of some family matters. Beth Hughes earlier today about you know the ooh you know you know what Daryl's kind of never really made a move on a woman in the show, and what what if it's like ends up being him and Jesus that that could like start a, a female riot in the fandom <laughs> if that went that way. <laughs> It could wind up on the CW then. Yeah, sure. You know. Well, we've it's not without precedent. You know, Tara and, and Doomed Nurse, whatever her name was, was together for about half an episode before they killed her off. Uh, Sasha is going through Jesus's book, which I assume has to be a Bible because that's where he keeps his bullets. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. <laughs> It literally was a Bible full of a you know, little thing carved out and a bunch of bullets in it. May I ask a question? Yep. Is his name really Jesus or is it Jesus? No, I, you know, it's actually Paul. What's his last name? It's Paul something. Yeah. Uh, and they've even said that on the show. Maybe we haven't mentioned it, but yeah, they just he literally looks so much like Jesus, I guess people started calling him Jesus, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> hey, if it fits. Yeah. Jesus will show up in the other show over on the West Coast and Fear the Walking Dead, because they're all in Mexico, so. <laughs> <laughs> he said, hey, Zeus! <laughs> yeah. uh, Jesus and Enid try to convince... Um, Sasha to ditch her little suicide mission with Rosita, but to no avail. And Jesus tries to convince her to tell Maggie, at least, because that would be the strategically sound thing to do, but she refuses. You know, instead of just, let's go off and kick a hornet's nest and and not tell uh, our friends that the hornets are coming. (laughs) So, I'm not a real fan of the Rosita-Sasha suicide mission. If anyone's listened to this show, they probably suss that out, but uh, it's just been stupid writing, in my opinion. Uh, she gives uh, Enid a friendship uh, bracelet to keep while she's gone, which is usually a narrative clue that someone isn't coming back to get said bracelet. 
whose contract didn't get renewed. Right. Well, even even better this time, she got hired for the new Star Trek show, which hopefully will happen. <laughs> yeah, she's one of the leads on the new uh, Star Trek show. So, yeah, I think Sasha's had a target on her back for a while since that announcement. But, of course, the show producers were like, oh, she could work in both places. It doesn't mean anything. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Enid isn't letting her off the hook, though, and she tells her, you have two minutes, and basically I'm going to tattle on you and your plan because you're being a selfish idiot. <laughs> she doesn't say that. That's my personal commentary. <laughs> Suddenly the alarm rings. The redcoats are coming. The redcoats are coming. I mean, the saviors are coming. That's basically what the scene was, though. Uh, Maggie and Daryl hide in the basement. Main diplomat savior Simon, um, who's got our favorite leering smile, and a virtual army of men come to see Gregory, the leader of uh, the Hilltop, in name only, pretty much, who is uh, kissing the appropriate level of ass as usual. And he, he offers gin, uh, but Simon drinks the good tequila now and, and regales us with some Espanol. Um, Gregory's like, what's up? So I know whether or not I should piss myself in fear. <laughs> and Simon says, we're looking for someone, and we go to break. Sasha and Rosita are bailing, though, through a secret tunnel uh, Sasha made, which I'm sure won't come back into play in the future. Uh, and they're geared up like commandos. And suddenly she, she sees Sasha's necklace that uh, Rosita made for Abraham. And Abraham gave to Sasha, but doesn't immediately rip her head off because the suicide mission is more important. But that, that had a potential uh, clause coming out moment written all over it. <laughs> meow, meow. Yeah. Sasha and Rosita make their plans, and they're going to try to take the sniper shot and, and be patient, but Rosita is like, if we miss, we go in and make sure we get them, even though the odds of that are pretty freaking slim, but whatever, revenge. Revenge is a dish best served stupid, apparently, at least in this show. <laughs> As opposed to the uh, uh, Lex Luthor revenge, yeah, I revenge. Just, this just bugs me uh, that they they've gone this way with a couple of characters because pretty much the whole first half of the season was trying to get Rick to come back around to deciding to fight, and now he's decided to fight and is raising an army and everyone's like, oh, not quick enough. You know, we have to just go run off by two people at a time and die and accomplish absolutely nothing because Rick isn't attacking tomorrow. And it's just stupid writing. And it doesn't make any sense with some of these characters. I'm sure the finale will be great, though. So tune in for that one. But right now you're rooting for the zombies to kind finish of. them all off. <laughs> you're Negan. You're, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know who to root for in this show anymore. <laughs> That's kind of the point. Back at Hilltop, Enid is uh, is trying to distract a savior who's snooping around um, so he doesn't find Daryl and uh, Daryl and Carol for some reason. Daryl and Maggie who are uh, hiding in the cellar. Um, she tries to... It's a weird little scene, actually. Um, she comes up to him with a back basket of, like, corn and, and, you know, potatoes and shit, and she's like, here, I brought you some veggies, you know. And he's like, vegetables. It's very important that you say the whole world word vegetable. And, you know, I, assuming maybe he was a school teacher before the apocalypse or something, I don't know. Um... Yeah, how would you react to that? I the world been, is the world is in the toilet, and you're concerned about how I pronounce vegetables. I'm a pretty bad grammar Nazi on a bad day, but uh, you know I don't care if you bring me fresh produce in the apocalypse. I'm just happy to see you. You know, <laughs> I don't care what you can call them bunny rabbits. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Should have slapped him and said, "You want a fresh one." Yeah, yeah, she doesn't. At least it didn't go. I, I, you know, there was a feeling this this scene could have gone rapey, you know, for a minute there, which would have been very bad because Enid's probably a minor. Um, yes. But he just kind of like, you know, who the hell do you think we? You know, she's like, here, put these in your truck, and he's like, what the hell do you think I am? Like, put them in the truck yourself. I'm on a, you know, I'm looking for people here. Um, so he does open the uh, cellar door. And and Daryl's ready to pounce, but Maggie convinces him to stop. And it's a pretty tense scene. You know, it's basically him rustling around and taking some supplies and them hiding in the corner, hoping not to get seen. 
Um, they think, you know, said we think they'll be discovered, but after some looting, uh, he leaves. And Simon and company come to visit uh, Dr. Carson, who's the, the doctor of Hilltop. And it was his brother that Negan threw in the furnace at Sanctuary a couple episodes ago. So he's being promoted slash conscripted and being told that he's the new doctor over there. And he's actually like, why do you need two doctors? And Simon's just like, really, dude? Um, can't you do the math on this one? You're a doctor. And he's like, we don't need two doctors, but we just lost one. Sorry about your brother. <laughs> That's pretty much the conversation. <laughs> Would you like to be next? Yeah. He's like, well, you know, you, you, the only reason you're still alive is because we need you. <laughs> so he's not happy about it, but not much he can do about it. And Gregory d- does nothing pretty much. He tells Gregory that his files are in order uh, and that he needs to find another medical person. And as a consolation prize for taking his only doctor, Simon gives Gregory a, a huge crate of aspirin. It's like, what a guy. That, that'll that help. Um. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Gregory takes him aside and tells him, you know, if you take my doctor, my people will probably hate me and they might overthrow me. And Simon's like, yeah, that's kind of a your problem thing. Yeah, but here's my address and I'll try to help. And he literally gives him the address of the compound, I guess. Uh, which doesn't seem like a really great idea to do to a guy that says, you know, he might get overthrown and stuff. But whatever. <laughs> They're the saviors and they got the guns. Uh, Daryl and Maggie are, are still together, and Daryl finally like breaks down crying and apologizes to uh, Maggie for getting Glenn killed, which she, of course, forgives him unconditionally for. And she tries to calm him down and emphasizes that they need to concentrate on winning the war and not just flying off half-cocked and killing sa- saviors randomly and stupidly like Rosita and Sasha are about to do, I'd like to point out again. The people of the hilltop gather to watch their doctor leaving, and Jesus in particular gives a disapproving glare. One may say a condemning glare. Uh, mm. uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> back at the Sasha and Rosita Impossible Mission Roadshow, they're sneaking around, killing walkers, lighting cars on fire to distract walkers, etc. Some really good, like, James Bondy stuff going on and they get us a car started and run over a few of the, the zombies and head towards Negan's house and they get there in the brief span of a commercial break and uh, I thought it was farther away than that and they set up in the convenient sniper friendly building across the street and Sasha sees Eugene uh, down there in the compound ordering people around you know, doing his I am Negan thing and Sasha again tries to bond with Rosita over some, if Rosita's just sitting there practicing tying knots because plot device and Sasha <laughs> wants to learn and Rosita's like, eh, it doesn't matter, we'll be dead soon. But she finally talks her into it and, and learns a couple neat knots. Uh, and because it, it may, it may come in handy at some point in the future. Yeah, you know, it's, it's Chekhov's knot mm-hmm. is what they would call it in some drama class somewhere or literature. <laughs> we finally get some of Rosita's backstory, which we've been waiting for, for like three seasons now. So that was nice. And we learned that she was basically Sarah Connor from Terminator two, um, which why not? She basically hooked up with a bunch of guys with survival skills, you know, and learned everything that they had to teach her better than they did and had some freaky sex for fun. And Abraham, however, was basically the real thing for her. You know, she wasn't just going to use him for his uh, for his uh, combat skills. But she's regretful that she never told him that she hoped that he was happy with uh, Sasha when, when they split up. So they both uh, lament that uh, Abe didn't get to go out fighting like the warrior he was. And Sasha agrees that if the sniper thing doesn't work, they will storm the castle and have each other's backs as they get riddled with bullets. Have fun storming the castle. Yeah, exactly. I think Wesley had a lot more luck at it. (laughs) Of course, he had Andre the Giant, so there you go. They check the window again and see Dr. Carson arriving, and Negan comes out, but of course they can't get a good shot of him. 
Except that if you actually watched the scene, David, she probably could have taken the shot about five times. It was she kind of really sloppily filmed. She's no Lee Harvey Oswald, is what you're saying. But but they've they've actually been setting her up as that good of a warrior, as that good of a sniper for seasons now. And it's like for half an entire season, all she did was like to to get over her brother Tyrese's death was like, I'm the super sniper now and I'm just going to shoot stuff to get my rage out. And so she could have, you know, they've, that's what kills me about this show is like, all of a sudden this, this highly skilled character that we've gotten to know over the years just loses every ability they ever learned because they need her to be stupid for this plot device. And it's the biggest she choked. flaw. Yeah. She choked. Yeah. Performance and anxiety. It could be. And yeah, I think it's uh, to make the writers sound like better people. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a little afraid we'll get that cease and desist letter about this show one of these days if I ever get more than five listeners. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as I said, they couldn't get a shop shot of him except she probably could have but we still have two episodes to go and and part of uh jeffrey dean morgan's contract and they hear eugene on the radio ordering people around and they decide to do the suicide run because apparently negan will never come outside again so they could never just wait around and take the sniper shot so we got to go in Jesus gets a call to Principal Gregory's office, and he's scolded for not pulling his weight anymore, and he's he's too busy hanging with the ladies and planning revolutions and shit, and uh, Jesus gets a little snippy, and Gregory basically threatens him, and it's like, you know, uh, couldn't help but notice you got a couple of roommates that could cause problems for you, so straighten up. And uh, Daryl comes in and is like, where's Sasha? And we break for a commercial. Well, she's shooting people in the compound. They take out a guard uh, that's uh, hanging with Eugene, you know, getting orders from Eugene. And they try to break him out, but he basically starts crying and cowering. And he's like, I don't want to leave. You get out of here. And so apparently Eugene likes being Negan and and having all the power. Uh, Or he's playing the long game. We don't know. Um, I like to think he's gone full asshole, but... The very long game. Yeah. And they break in the fence, and Sasha goes through, but she actually locks the gate behind her, trapping Rosita outside. And Sasha says, it's not your time yet. And she runs in guns blazing, but we don't get to see what happens. We only hear lots of gunfire. Um, Rosita runs out and, you know, flees the compound and suddenly sees a mysterious shadowy figure carrying a crossbow. Could be Daryl, could be Dwight... I'm leaning towards Dwight at this point, but but that ends our episode. So, um, yeah. Questions, wow. sir? See, this this is kind of cool. So you can actually directly ask me stuff about any episode if you'd like. That that our recaps have confused you. I should have had you like come up with a list of them. Yeah, I should I should have put together a list. <laughs> <laughs> Could you explain to me a little more about these savior people? Like, what are they, the remnants of? Uh, did they ever go into that? It was No, not yet. And um, really not much in the, you know, it's just uh, one of the group of people that got together. And and I guess they have finally gone into Negan's backstory in the comics a little bit, but I haven't gotten to those issues. Uh, but, yeah, we learned nothing about them on the show yet, except that they're just, this is their game. They, they've banded together and... Rule with an iron barbed wire wrapped baseball bat, and it's efficient, apparently. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's the mafia, they're they're protection rackets. Like, yeah, nice town you got here, be a shame if something happened to it, like us beating all your people to death, so <laughs> or letting walkers in, or you know, whatever. But yeah, they're they're just the extortion guys, essentially. And, uh, you know, Negan likes people kneeling, and he likes having his little harem of wives, and that's about all we know of him. <laughs> and Which I think is cool. I don't need to know everything about my big villains. I've kind of always said that. And uh, I said a few seasons ago they did The Governor, and then for some reason they, they felt the need to do this little 
several episode arc of showing us what he'd been up to for a while and nobody gave a shit and they couldn't really make us give a shit and so it's just like yeah just bad guy you know thug gangster that i understand that's that's easy enough to go with (laughs) not not everyone has a deeper motivation that caused them to be this way yeah well most people do but i mean do we really need to you know, and it's kind of easy to work out in, in, you know, this world. It's like you've either pretty much lost your whole family or had to, you know, take out your family because they turned into zombies or, you know, you probably had other horrible things happen to you, like get captured by cannibals and, and watch your friends get barbecued and <laughs> any number of things. You know, just, just living in the zombie apocalypse probably creates a certain amount of PTSD, I would suspect. Uh, just a bit. Just yeah. a bit. <laughs> but there is, you know, that's that's kind of the beauty of this show and, and why I like, you know, is dreadfully, horribly depressing as it should be. I seem to have a thing for, like, apocalyptic fiction. Yeah, because it's always an interesting character study of of what people do to survive and, you know, retaining your humanity. And, yeah, Negan's obviously been like, humanity? Fuck that. I'd rather have a a harem of wives. Um, So so I'll beat a motherfucker with my baseball bat if I I think it'll get me that. Um, Well, it's the conflict that makes for a good story. Yeah. You know, if everything's hunky-dory, who cares? I mean, I'm a a little less believing that, you know... So it's always hard to get a grasp on, on how much time has passed. The Fear of the Walking Dead's helped with that a little bit, but essentially, you know, where we are in the Walking Dead show is approximately three-ish years into the, you know, after the original outbreak. Um, so it, it it is questionable, like, whether really weird societies like the Kingdom would have been able to pop up in that amount of time. You usually think that's like hundreds of years in the future after the nuclear war type of stuff. Right. You know, or the trash heap people, which are, you really should watch just to see how strange that one is. Um, but, you know, hey, I, I gotta give them an A for effort for creating all these weird little societies. and It's still strange, I always hate saying this, that it strains the imagination you know, in a show about zombies. Um, but like the, the the close proximity, that's one of my pet peeves about this. I'm sure I've ranted about before that the close proximity of all these communities, and supposedly none of them have ever encountered each other before. Well, that just strains me a little bit. But are they still in Georgia? I'm not even sure about that right now. No, I think. Well, I, even though it's not exactly Alexandria, Virginia, where the one you know Alexandria safe zone is. I think it is, they've stated that it still is in Virginia. There's actually, I forget what the URL is right now, but Google it and I'm sure you can find it. But uh, there is like a Google Maps that someone put together or something showing where the various events or, you know, where people are essentially in in the Walking Dead universe right now, you know, geographically. So. Interesting, but it, you know that's why I made the joke earlier. It's like it took them, you know, the space of a commercial break to get from point A to point B, which is what you do in narrative fiction anyway. But they, they've been, you know, stating through the the show how far away Negan's compound is from everything else, and how hard it is to approach. And it's just like, and then they just kind of fast travel there. So I just thought that was funny. Now, they've said they're never going to reveal how this all exactly started, right? That, that's that been Kirkman's, yeah, the, the creator of the comic, his, his assertion. Although with Fear of the Walking Dead, uh, the producers of that show at one point did say that we saw, like, Patient Zero. But we still have gotten no explanation of of where it came from, except that, you know, there was the rumor out there that I mean, she was doing drugs when she turned into a zombie, so she overdosed and died and became a zombie, but they don't... So one of the fan theories is that it's the drugs. Um, Hmm. One of the crazier fan theories is that it's the drugs from Breaking Bad that caused it, Um, (laughs) which I love, because the the blue meth was actually in the show at one point. uh, Michael Ricker was playing Daryl's brother, 
Um, they're ruffling, rifling through his like motorcycle bags, and they they found a little packet of the blue meth from from Breaking Bad. <laughs> That's very funny. intentional, you know. And I think they even get to get permission for it. Too funny. Too funny. Yeah, so, but yeah, Kirkman said things like, you know, he knows he has the answer in his head, but he said something stupid like, oh, it's too science fiction y to, to actually tell people about. And like, dude, zombie apocalypse, how can it be more, you know, so maybe aliens? Um, I'm not saying it was aliens. It was probably. But it was aliens. aliens. They cause a lot of problems. Um <laughs> I don't know why they're still coming to this messed up little planet when <laughs> there's so many out there. <laughs> it's going to turn out Rick wakes up and it was all a dream. They could go there, too, because <laughs> that's going to be the bigger problem. You don't necessarily have to say how it all started, but eventually you have to end things. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the comic could go on as long as nerds are buying it, but I don't know how long a TV show can necessarily last uh, with, you know, all the production costs and uh, this is year seven, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, which always feels like longer because there's such huge breaks between like the top half of a season and, and the second half of a season. Um, and you, you're starting to see it. As I said, they're going to have to, when Carl started on this, he was like a eight year old, you know, or well, he was probably about 10, um, or 11, maybe 11 or 12, but he looked like, a young 11 or 12 year old and now he looks like a 19 year old which I think is what he is and, <laughs> and I said that that, that gets hard to reconcile with the only, it's only been three years in the world too so they have to address that eventually his thyroid's been affected by the zombie virus could be, could be. his pituitary gland whatever the heck it is I'll see you and some spoilers for the books here but I mean after, like, this whole dust-up with Negan in the books, they take a serious time jump of, like, a couple of years and show you what's going on now, essentially, a couple of years after, you know, the big war, and and this is how civilization has progressed. And so I, I feel like they're going to have to do something like that just to keep, you know, unless they're going to knock off the kid, you know, just to to kind of justify that he's a full-grown 20-year-old now <laughs> after three years, and he started as a 10-year-old. So, um, yeah, it's, I can see him doing something like that. I think they're going to have to do a time jump. It makes sense, and it's it's going to keep the, you, you know, we already got kind of some fans complaining about it. It's like, oh, this whole civilization building is boring, and we just want to see zombies and combat. and So, yeah, but you can't just do that indefinitely you know if you're going to have a logical progression of your plot then people have to start setting up towns and shit and that's what we're seeing now and we're seeing the logical progression of how that would probably go down uh, when you <laughs> beat civilization back into basically tribal you know systems and feudal systems you're, you're probably going to have a lot of conflict for for resources well, you figure that's the, the the best kind of an ending you could hope for, you know, is the establishment of some new order, whether it's small towns. Or, they're not going to cure the problem and have everything fixed. Yeah. Or, you know, you can always go that way if you need to. Like, sudden somebody just comes up with a cure and it's like, yay, you know, happy ending. Um, <laughs> pretty contrary to what Kirkman said this show is about, you know. Um, but, yeah, I'm still yeah. stuck, and it's not just because I do a podcast on it. It's, it's my zombie soap opera. I, I gotta, I'll gotta, i stick it out as long as they want to throw it at me. <laughs> <laughs> you can do a Deadpool, literally, and see how it's all going to turn out. Well, we, we usually do. I always have my predictions. I said We've said earlier in this, uh, this season of podcasts that it's I thought, you know, Sasha was pretty obvious for a lot of reasons, uh, even though they weren't writing her that way for a while. You know, she actually had done this little arc after uh, her last boyfriend got barbecued by Terminus. Um, now, do you mean was he barbecued or was he just cooked outside? He was, well, his name was Bob, so we call it a barbecue. Um, and he was cooked outside, or at least his leg. 
uh, <laughs> was there, was this smoking and rubbing? I think there was. There was at least some smoking, and, and the guy who did it to him was eating his leg right in front of him. It was glorious. Um, but yeah, after he died, uh, Sasha kind of went suicidal for a bit. You know, she would wade into a herd of zombies, just firing wildly, and as said, she did the whole sniper thing and. and turned herself into this super warrior but kind of with a death wish but then she got over it and decided she wanted to live and so for now them to write her again is okay I'm just gonna after trying to talk you out of committing suicide for an entire episode Rosita I'm just gonna run and get myself killed that just made no sense to me I just hate it when they do these 180s on the on the character that's how you lose your audience that's what's really been my biggest pet peeve is always write your characters consistent with how you set them up you know right. it's not that hard to do <laughs> maybe they're gonna kill them both off Thelma and Louise style that that's how it felt like it was going and, and I guess I would have been okay with that uh, you know sisters want to die together I guess we should let them equality and all that good stuff um, but it just made no sense in the grander scheme of it's like, okay, we're finally getting our shit together and we can potentially take these guys down and not everyone has to die, but you guys want to go off ahead and die anyway, go for it. And so that just doesn't make any sense. I guess they, you know, so, so into the idea of getting to pull the trigger on him themselves that... Which one was the one who uh, they showed the montage of her being trained and all that? Well, yeah, she was training some of the Hilltop people, uh, Sasha. And she's the one that, that lost Bob and, and kind of went into, and her brother Tyrese. And, and So she's the one that, I guess, should be suicidal more than Rosita. But mm. so they, they kind of got her over that. Now, they showed a short montage of her training the people of Hilltop to... You know, just some knife techniques and stuff, because they've been, you know, they, they did get a certain, despite Gregory not wanting to commit the town to to, to fight Negan, um, a bunch of volunteers stepped up anyway and decided they, you know, they wanted to be trained and fight with Maggie, so... So that's what's and that pisses me off too. And Rosita had like committed to training people to fight, and you know, like three episodes ago, they were both down with the whole war thing, and let's do this right, the right way. And then all of a sudden, they're like suicide mission because it's not happening quick enough. That's just lazy writing, in my opinion. Right. Just refresh my memory on one more thing. <laughs> Did uh, was Negan the one who rounded up all the guns that no one has guns at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They came in and, and did a full repeal of the Second Amendment, as it were. <laughs> gotcha. <clears throat> yep. So, um, yeah. So now that's why they're off traipsing around trying to find guns for the trash heap people and. And we've got a bunch of guns over at Oceanside, which next episode, I'm assuming Tara is going to have to give up that secret, and they're going to go get the, those guns uh, one way or another, by hook or by crook. And uh, and then it should be on to some kind of battle in two weeks. And, uh, yeah. The way this show's been going, David, I said, if, if you wanted to pick it up, you literally only have to watch, like, the first and last episodes of a season anymore and the rest is kind of this frustrating filler <laughs> and we'll fill you in on the, uh, what happens in the meantime <laughs> uh, too funny uh, but it's, it sounds like a great show you know, I, I, second hand I, I keep coming back for the character and I, I love watching actors ply their craft in pretty much any you know, any situation you can think of, you know, so and the weirder, the better. And I, I you know, you know, we're all genre nerds and, and you know, th that doesn't get a lot of respect a lot of times, but I think it's got to be imminently harder to act convincingly in a fantastical setting than it does in your average drama movie, you know, where you're just playing, you know, some biographical figure or, you know, just this guy going through this thing. Um, when you have to, like, sell it that you believe you're living in an apocalyptic zombie world, man, you're a good actor, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
So I, yeah. I have a lot of respect for that, and that's that's mostly what I watch it for. I, and the zombie part of it is is really secondary. You know, it's it's just how these actors are gonna react in in these situations, and I just wish the writers would give them some better stuff sometimes because they have a lot of really incredible actors on their show. So. Right. And when they're they're given good writing, man, they nail it, and they should all be getting Emmys <laughs> on a regular basis. Have they won anything? I don't think this show has, other than maybe like effects and technical stuff. But I don't think I've ever heard of a like major acting nod for him, and and which is also frustrating because Game of Thrones gets freaking dozens of them all the time. It's just another fantasy show, and they're not. You're not really acting any better than the people on this show or on some of the superhero shows. Um, we get to Weekly Heroics, man. I think, I think Melissa Benoist throws us some Emmy-winning shit regularly on that show. A lot of the actors do, and on The Flash, and, you know. They'll never give them an Emmy. No, no, it sucks, too. It, it, Stephen Amell on Arrow this season, too, has been just doing exceptional stuff, in my opinion. It's the curse of the genre. yeah. Yeah. In the movies too, yeah, always. You know, they 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 throw us a little bone every now and then. Return of the King was nice, sweeping the Oscars for that one, even though that wasn't even really the best Lord of the Rings movie. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's so much of it you would think that they they'd get more though, because it's it's literally probably the majority of television <laughs> these days is like. Science fiction or fantasy or horror of some kind. Who thought we'd live to see that? Yeah, well, I'm glad I have. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm curious to see tomorrow the trailer drops for Justice League. Yeah, uh, my my expectations are low, so I'm hoping they'll do it right. Um, you know, trailer, I'm not even going to put much stock into the trailer. I'll watch it a hundred times because I'm a nerd, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to, you know, be like, oh, that, this movie's going to be great because the Batman vs. Superman ones look pretty good to begin with, but it didn't really turn out that way for me. So I'll take it with a grain of salt and I'll laugh at all the, the DC super fanboys online that'll be going like, see, this is going to be the greatest movie ever. And it's really probably not going to be the greatest movie ever. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, I have high hopes for the Wonder Woman movie. To tell you the truth, me too, man. People people think I'm like super Marvel guy and so down on DC, and it's like, no, man, you're wrong. I, I've wanted them to make a great DC movie all my life, you know, just like Marvel movies. So I'm not wishing for anything to fail, unless it got somebody like George Miller to make a Justice League movie, which would be cool. Because <laughs> he was supposed to once, and I really wanted to see that. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I, we went to see Man of... Not Man of Steel. Uh, Batman versus Superman in the theater. And it was alright. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. But uh, the the Blu-ray version, I felt filled it out more. Yeah, I'm sure it does, you know. But that I don't even know if I can bring myself to to watch that because it just kind of gives me retroactive anger, man. If you can't be, if you're not professional enough to put what you need to in the movie the first time around, you right. probably shouldn't have the the job of directing the goddamn thing. That's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, because there were really a few key points that they bring out in the Blu-ray that you're like, well, now it makes a lot more sense. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and it just, I've read kind of the breakdown of some of the scenes that were re-added, and yeah, it just astounds me. It's like, why would you cut that to put in a freaking dream sequence or something that we didn't need? Uh, right. Just, no. It makes no sense to me. Uh, and... <laughs> I'm not, I don't know if I'm a big fan of, I, there's been kind of a lot of griping that there's not, I guess there's no real deleted scenes of note on like the new Rogue One DVDs. Mm. Um, and we all know that went through, you know, a ton of changes before the final product. But I kind of, res and they don't really do that much for like the Marvel movies either. And I kind of respect Disney for that, even though I am a fan of my extras on, on Blu-rays and stuff. 
but it's like it's standing by your product. It's like this is this is the movie, man. Like it or leave it, you know. And I, I guess Marvel can afford to do that. <laughs> yeah, I ordered uh, Doctor Strange. That'll it's coming tomorrow. That'll be my uh, weekend watching. It's the only Marvel movie I've missed in the theater. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a shame too, because that's a big screen just ride. So hopefully, you have a nice set at least. Yeah. It was just, uh, it kept getting pushed around from date to date. My daughter wanted to me to wait to see it with them. We never made it. Yeah. It's, although it's, it's also a little, I, I'm really glad I didn't go see that in IMAX because that would have just really been overwhelming. <laughs> I usually do all right in IMAX, but that thing just, there's some visuals in there that, <laughs> Let's put it this way. If you have a history of seizures in your family, you probably shouldn't be watching this movie. <laughs> hey, watch this. Yeah, it gets a little stroby. Uh, I have concerns about uh, Iron Fist. Yeah, you haven't watched any of it yet? I watched the first episode, and my wife watched with me. And typically, she detests every one of them. Daredevil, Jessica, she won't watch it. She watched this one. She loved it. That means I'm concerned. <laughs> really? Wow. Okay. Um, I don't know. We're I jest. We're, we're going to be doing the uh, the roundtable of that for Weekly Heroics here pretty soon. Um, it's not the best one. You know, it's, it's taken a lot more shit than it deserves. Um, I'm going to save most of my rants for the podcast, but... Uh, it's not horrible. It's not as bad as they, they, a lot of people are saying it is. I mean, I was just getting into it with this one page today that's literally written like three articles before it came out and then did a couple really bad reviews of it when they only got to see the first six episodes, the reviewers. And now they've done at least three articles on how bad it was and why it would have been better with an Asian lead and all that BS. But that defeats the whole purpose of the story, doesn't it? It, in my opinion, yeah. But I mean, and I just, yeah, I'm. I went on there today, and I'm just like, the horse is dead, guys. You know, it's like I'm coming. I'll come back as a reader in like a year when you're over this. And it's just because it, I'd have more respect for the reviews if the whole angle wasn't as like, well, see, this is why they should have cast an Asian. It's like, no, if the show was bad, it doesn't matter who was in the lead. It still would have been bad. You know, it usually comes down to the writing in shows like this. It comes down to the writing and the fight scenes. That's, you know, it doesn't really matter who you put in the lead. It does if you want to respect the character. So... Yeah, I don't know. People just need something to gripe about and everything these days. I, I'm, I've always been the, of the mind of let art be art, man. We shouldn't be having a quota system for art. You know, if you don't want to consume a particular piece of art, then don't. Nobody's holding a gun against your head. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you want to see more diversity in a TV show, make a TV show. This is that, That's the thing they don't seem to get is that it's like why do you think people are going to listen to you unless you get millions of people to stop watching these things it's not you're griping on the internet it's not going to have any effect the only choices you have is to get millions of people to stop watching it or make your own production company and make the crap you want to watch <laughs> you mean complaining on facebook doesn't accomplish anything it, it doesn't seem to have, as much of it as i do the world doesn't seem to be changing yet so i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna say no <laughs> because i certainly do my fair share <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh, but thank you sir for coming on tonight unless you've got something more to add to The Walking Dead and we, we do hope that you'll actually join the viewing public with us one of these days and share our pain but um, it's an honor to be on with you dude it's an, it's an honor to have you listen to my show it's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's where it ends for me I this is just kind of my hobby, my art, and I, I'm overwhelmed that anyone else enjoys it. <laughs> These podcasts, you'd be surprised they get you through some really long, really terrible days. I, I've certainly had jobs myself in the past that I, I wish I had 
known about, you know, access to this medium to, to deal with them, they would have gone so much better. Um, but so, yeah, have to use us as you will, audience, whatever, you know. <laughs> if we're just a mindless distraction for you, that, that works for me, too. I'm happy to provide it. <laughs> it's like a visit with old friends. Because you're expecting a very mindful distraction. You're probably looking in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta go to those paid podcasters for those really high production values. I make no apologies. <laughs> it's just good entertainment with no aggravation attached. Yep. Yep. All right, sir. Thank you again for coming on and, and rescuing me tonight and then doing this little bit with me. I thought it went well. My pleasure, sir. <laughs> we'll have to do this about something I watch. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll definitely be having you back on uh, Weekly Heroics eventually. As I said, kind of make your wish list for that, David. And you know, any particular episode of of anything we got coming up, uh, just let you know, Mirror Hero know. Uh, we got Mike Zumo has has claimed uh, Agents of Shield episode seventeen. So we'll be doing that with him soon. Um, so yeah, we're happy Thanks. to have you on for for anything sir excellent sir i will do that all right you can email this show if you'd like it'd be nice uh it's weekly heroics at yahoo.com though <laughs> um and we are your fear the walking dead cast and, and next week we will hopefully have our some of our regular cast back and then for the finale show and trying to assemble our our usual uh, guest spot of uh, Professor Alan Middleton. We're going to try to schedule around him so we can get him on because he's like a tradition now. And uh, I'm going to send much love out to Beth and Brian Hughes, to our kind of almost original co-hosts on this show, and, and hope that all ends up well for them so they can join us back here. They have a seat whenever they can make it back. So, Thank you, folks. We'll see you next week. Bye now. You've been listening to Fear the Walking Dead cast on the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Email us at weeklyheroics at yahoo.com. Don't forget, if you shop Amazon, please make your purchases from our main webpage at twotruefreaks.com. Her and fuck the path.